Congratulations. Congratulations to Sarah Fuller. If you don't know who Sarah Fuller is, she is the college female who goes to Vanderbilt University, who is part of the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, which is a power five college football team. And she was the first female ever to kick in a power five college football game. Now there have been other females that have kicked in college, but not in the power five programs. Now her team lost to the university of Missouri, a team that I'm very familiar with. It's a team. My oldest son played for, and, uh, I became a fan because of that. They defeated Vanderbilt 41 to nothing. So Sarah did not have an opportunity to kick an extra point or attempt a field goal. Uh, she did get the opportunity to kick off once. And that was the beginning of the second half of the football game. Now we talked about this on Pat unleashed as I'm sitting in with Pat, uh, for the future untold amount of days. And, uh, the kick itself was not that good of a kick. And I had actually tweeted at Jeffy JFR. I know that the kick was more about the kick than the kick, but the kick wasn't really that good of a kick, but they told us after that it was a planned squib kick. Her kick went that way on purpose. Oh, Okay. All right. All right. Now it went so well for the team that the head coach has been fired, not because of Sarah Fuller, but because the team has not done well. And he came, he's been there for a while now. Um, I think seven years and, uh, he came with high hopes for Vanderbilt's program and it really hasn't panned out for them. So after this game, a uh, butt kicking from Missouri, he got fired. However, I started out with congratulating Sarah Fuller and I want to, I want to end on congratulating Sarah Fuller because not only would, did she make history with this historic kick, the SEC has felt it necessary to make her this week's special teams player of the week. Now they split it with a Florida punt returner, but she does get an SEC player of the week award. Congratulations, Sarah. Welcome to chewing the fat. Congratulations uh, abounding today because we have a word of the year from Miriam Webster. I know, based upon statistical analysis of words that are looked up in extremely high numbers in our online dictionary, uh, also showing a significant year-over-year increase in traffic, there is a new word of the year. I will tell you the number two word is defund. And I'll tell you what the number one word is as soon as I get done telling you that the real number one word should have been pain. Should have been pain. Yeah, you heard me. Some of us, pain is a daily thing. 66%. An overwhelming amount of people expect to live the rest of their life in some kind of pain. 
Over 50 million Americans are going to miss work due to pain. (laughs) That's where Relief Factor comes in. That's where you need to go to relieffactor.com. That should have been the word of the year. Relieffactor.com. Wait, is that a full word? Yeah, don't don't bog me down with facts. That should have been the word of the year. Relieffactor.com. Now, you know that our brains are not designed to remember pain accurately, right? I mean, you know that it's a defense system. Right, a biological defense system that allows us to live our lives better so that we don't remember the time that, you know, we fell out of the treehouse and banged our head on the side of the car and, you know, had a, our, we had a bump on our head the size of our head, got knocked out and had a concussion. We just know that there was pain involved in it. But if you're like me and you wake up in pain every day, uh, you know the best thing about pain is when it goes away. And, you know, I know it doesn't go away for some of us, but at least with relief factor, we can help it go away. And if you're suffering from chronic pain, that's all you want is some relief. And you can get that with relief factor. It's only $19.95 for a three-week quick start. Right? I know. $19.95 for a three-week quick start. Relieffactor.com. 70% of the people who take it Go on to order more. And you don't want to run out and think that, uh, oh, I'm fine now. No, because you're not fine. You're going to need Relief Factor to help get you through the day. And it is designed by doctors. It's not a drug. It's Relief Factor will help you get your life back. It's based on 15 years of clinical practice. It's got four key ingredients that each help your body fight against inflammation. Uh, It supports a healthy response to inflammation and decreases comfort. I mean, it's all you want, right? A little bit of relief. And you're going to get it from relieffactor.com. Now, you can go to relieffactor.com or you can call 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. Or make it painless and go to relieffactor.com. All right, the word of the year. Now, I told you number two was defund. So number 11 was malarkey. Ugh, I wonder where that came from. Uh, number 10, icon. Oh yeah, we had icon, of course. Number nine, irregardless, which wasn't a word to begin with. It was just regardless, but that's the way it goes. It doesn't matter, okay? You've been saying it wrong for all these years. We're going to put it in the dictionary. Okay. Number eight, asymptomatic, Merriam-Webster's words of the year, but we do have a number one word of the year. Uh, number seven was uh, Schaffendefreude. I guess it's uh, pronounced uh, Schadenfreude. 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 Yeah, that's what I said. Number six, antebellum. Oh, come on. Really? From Lady Antebellum? Okay. Number five, quarantine. Oh, you thought? I thought that'd be a little bit higher. Number four, Kraken. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize this either that the uh, uh, NHL uh, franchise in Seattle named their team name Kraken. So, man, big part of the year, yeah. Number three, Mamba. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, that was because of the death of Kobe Bryant. Number two, I told you, was Defund. And coming in at number one, the number one searched word that wasn't the word of the year, Coronavirus. You could have guessed that, right? Yeah, of course. But the word of the year. Yes, the word of the year. Standing high atop the top 12 names. Can you guess what it is? Yeah, you probably guessed it. Pandemic. Pandemic is the Merriam-Webster's word of the year. Yay. Yay. Okay. All right. And for those of you wondering, uh, a pandemic is an outbreak of a disease that occurs over a wide geographic area, 
such as multiple countries or continents, and typically affects a significant proportion of the population. Ha! Huh. Pandemic. Are we actually living in something like that? Get out of here. <laughs> okay. All right. I want to thank you, uh, all of you, and you know who you are, who sent me this story, either on Twitter or Facebook or email. Uh, either, you know, Jeffy JFR on Twitter, Jeff Fisher Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Parlor, and chewing the fat at theblaze.com is the email. <sighs> Bodybuilder from Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan? Kazakhstan? Uh, he tied the knot. He got married. And it's a beautiful thing. It's proving, according to the story, that love is blind. I don't know that it's blind. But. You see the pictures of Yuri T-O-L-O-C-H-K-O. Tolochko. Tolochko. Yuri Tolochko. He is just in love and just wanted a traditional ceremony. And he shared a romantic first date or first dance after the wedding, just like all couples do, as dozens of guests attended. He's an actor and a bodybuilder and he just, well, they fell in love and they got engaged back in December of 2019. And he's just, uh, he'd just been in love. And with the lockdown and the pandemic, they, they couldn't, they couldn't get together and be married sooner. So they finally just said the heck with it. We're going to get married. Now, what makes this, what makes this couple different? Uh, irregular, <laughs> unconventional, is that the the wife of Yuri is a doll. Uh, it's a sex doll. And uh, it just seems uh, a little strange. What? Now listen, I'm not opposed to sex dolls. But when you're breaking out the marriage to a sex doll, who am I to say that this guy is whacked out of his brain and he's, you know, it's, uh, it's weird. Who am I? Right. I mean, he met the sex doll at a nightclub and he rescued the sex doll from some unwanted attention. So he obviously has a connection with the sex doll. Now, they would have also gotten married. It wasn't just, it wasn't just the pandemic that made them delay the wedding. Uh, Yuri was attacked, um, back in October while he was, uh, participating in a transgender rally. I know, I know, but he got a concussion and a broken nose and, you know, apparently dressing as a woman for the transgender rally you know, got him in trouble. Now you'd think as an actor and a bodybuilder that he would be stronger than that. But apparently when you're in a dress, you can't be that strong. I don't know. But he said that he just, you know, he's, he's into all kinds of things and he just enjoys, you know, being put in a lot of pain. And apparently Margot the wife, the sex doll, is capable of what other people are not capable of. Well, yeah, Yuri, that makes sense that a sex doll isn't capable of what people are. <laughs> but according to requirements for weddings in Kazakhstan, um, you need consenting partners. They have to be male and female over 18 years of age. There's no mention about whether it can be a doll or not a doll. So he's good. He's all good in there happily and just, gosh darn it, they're just, they're just happy. And I just loved slipping that little finger, that little ring on my bride's finger. And I planted a gentle kiss on Margot. And she just looked so beautiful in that white gown the bouquet of flowers and that distant stare is just a beautiful thing. 
<laughs> okay, Yuri. I mean, are people afraid to say something? Or are we just like, yeah, well, that's Yuri. He wants to marry a doll. So what? Again, I'm not opposed to these dolls. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. It looks close to being a real doll, but I don't know that it's actually a real doll. The An actual real doll. It, it is a real sex doll, but I'm talking about the real doll. You know, realdoll.com, who is the cutting edge of dolls. Again, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to it. I just am opposed to becoming married to inanimate, inanimate, inanimate things, inanimate, inanimate, inanimate things. <laughs> I mean, we have people, we've done stories about people marrying chandeliers and marrying stuffed animals. And now we have people marrying sex dolls. It's just a mental issue, right? You can use these items any way you want, but considering them an actual partner in your life, there's an issue somewhere along the line. There's an issue, but again, who am I? Who am I to say that someone doesn't love something enough to marry it? Congratulations, Yuri. That's a, today is just a congratulations day, a congratulatory day. I mean, we might as well, we can keep it up. We can congratulate Air Hostess 71. It's a British Airways flight attendant who is now accused of selling sexual favors online. So according to sources, Air Hostess 71 is clearly prostituting herself and boosting her business by using photos taken on board a British Airways plane. She's wearing an airline uniform, and there's no doubt she's a stewardess. I thought they were flight attendants. Anyway, it is a shocking dereliction of duty and not the image British Airways wants of its cabin crew. It may not be the image you want there, British Airlines, but it is an image that many have. So, uh, okay. So apparently they're investigating it, and they've investigated the pictures, and they found out exactly who she is. And she's... On her blog, Air Hostess 71's blog indicates she requires $66 securing a fee to meet up in person. And the prices obviously for services vary from, uh, from the, what services you want. If you ever want uh, adult entertainment on board, you have to give me a sum of money and you'll be treated to a whole different experience of your choice. Okay. Now that is something that we should start doing on Fisher Air. <laughs> now it's not the first time I mean they've busted stewardesses flight attendants before in the past because they have uh, been they've sold themselves as prostitutes as, I'm sorry sex workers and one was using her position in the past uh, to hand out business cards to first class and business class passengers hey <laughs> thanks for flying thanks for flying Fisher Air here's my business card if you'd like to have a little in air business uh, that's going to cost you some money one was busted for saying that if you wanted to have a flight attendant take care of your business in the airplane lavatory, that's, uh, that's going to cost you at least 2000 bucks. And she got it. So, well, I'm guessing that it's a she. Because the story says the flight attendant was moonlighting as a sex worker and was making more than a million bucks moonlighting as a sex worker. But it doesn't say that it was a female, so I apologize. It could have been a male. But we do know that this particular flight attendant got at least $2,000 for sex in the airplane lavatory mid-flight. So I, I'm guessing it was a female, but I don't know that. So it's possible that it was a male. 
So it's not the first time that it's happened. So Air Hostess 71 is in, you know, good company. And just trying to make a little money. Times are tough. Airlines are struggling. And that means flight attendants are struggling as well. So we're just trying to... Now we're hampering their style of working on the side. I don't know. British Airways, you may want to rethink how you want to be recognized. Because I was looking at some of the pictures of Air Hostess 71. And... According to Air Hostess 71, I am your in-flight entertainment. What would you like me to do? (laughs) Thank you for flying, Fisher Air. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink. Ice cold to drink. Oh. For the new listeners, I got an email asking what cold drink I'm drinking. For the new listeners, I'll let you know it's Coca-Cola Zero. I'm a huge fan of Coca-Cola Zero, but I stopped saying it every day because I'm waiting for Coca-Cola to become a sponsor of this show. So, A, thank you for being a new listener to the podcast since I've given up saying that it was Coca-Cola Zero. B, Coca-Cola, where you at? I'm here for you. I'm willing to give you, oh man, I'm willing to give you some some great love every day, and yet, no. You haven't shown up. So until you show up, you know, no love, okay? It's just the way it is. So I see where uh, Nicola, uh, the sales on the shares of stock have just gone through the toilet, through the toilet, into the toilet, bad, going way down, okay? And GM has now announced it's pulling out of the deal that it had with the electric truck company. So apparently, uh, former CEO Trevor Milton has just been misleading investors and committing an intricate fraud, according to everyone. So when we had such a great deal, GM made the deal with Nikola and the electric trucks, and they did it all without actually ever seeing the truck. <laughs> and it sounded great. And it sounded like he was going to be the new Elon Musk, and it was going to be the new Tesla. And no, uh, no, it was all a big fraud. So, okay. All right. So if you haven't dumped your stock in Nikola, uh, I would get to it before it's actually worth zero because it's getting pretty close as we speak. You know, if you're listening to this show right now and you're not a subscriber to this podcast, that means you're just a freeloader and nobody likes a freeloader. Okay. Uh, Sure. Subscribing to this podcast is free, but then you're a freeloading subscriber and you're cool. That's good. But nobody likes just a freeloader. Nobody. So you don't want to be a freeloader. You want to be a freeloading subscriber. So choose a platform that you like to listen to your podcasts on. You know, like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify. There's a plethora of platforms out there that carry the show. Subscribe to it. And if it gives you the opportunity to rate and review it, please do so. But become a freeloading subscriber. Not just a freeloader. Okay, so subscribe to Chewing the Fat Podcast. There's other things you can subscribe to, too, like my YouTube channel, Chewing the Fat, same name. You can, again, I mentioned earlier, you can follow me on my social media accounts at JeffyJFR on Twitter, Jeff Fisher Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Parlor. But most importantly, subscribe to this podcast, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Okay, thank you. I mean, we may as well stick to some more business news. We had the, you know, the Nikola shutting down. Well, they're not shutting down, but it's just been a big fraud. Purdue Pharma, uh, the Oxycontin maker, uh, pled guilty last week to three federal criminal charges for its role in the U.S.'s deadly opioid epidemic. And it has now formally taken responsibility for its part in, uh, you know, the addiction crisis fueled by prescription painkillers. It admitted to trying to defraud U.S. officials and paying illegal kickbacks to doctors and vendors to encourage them to prescribe more of its drugs. Many people would say thank you to those 
doctors and vendors. Many would not. And that's why they pled guilty. Now, as a part of a settlement deal with the Department of Justice, Purdue Farmers owners, the Sackler family, is going to pay $225 million in civil penalties and open a public benefit company with its profits going toward helping alleviate the opioid crisis. Okay. Good for them. And that keeps the Slackler family. Some people are really pissed because the family then still gets a whole bunch of money. But they should. It's still their company. Don't, don't get me started. Don't do it. Don't keep looking at me like that. Don't get me started. We'll move on. Facebook has now agreed to buy the customer service platform Customer with a K for, it's been reported, a billion dollars. Now, Customer... K-U-S-T-O-M-E-R, condenses customer, C-U-S-T-O-M-E-R, outreach across text, email, chat box, and social apps into a single screen. So it allows businesses to build a clearer portrait of who's eyeing their goods. Uh, Okay, kind of cool. I kind of like that. But uh, we'll see if it gets okayed, right? It's got to have regulatory approval. And uh, Facebook's relationship with the regulators has not been great. Uh, The Federal Trade Commission and state attorneys have already announced that they plan to sue Facebook over its alleged habit of buying promising startups and squashing competition. I don't think that's just Facebook. I mean, you've got Facebook, Google, uh, Amazon. I'm doing the same thing. Now, if I'm an up-and-coming startup, it's kind of what you want, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. If I have a startup and Facebook, Amazon, Google come to me and they say, you have a really interesting platform. We'll give you a billion dollars. Okay. Thank you. A couple more business headlines. Under Armour trying to get back in the business, right? According to a Piper Sandler survey, Under Armour is the number one, number one on the list of brands no longer worn by male teens. Wow. I mean, it's just not cool anymore. So, and their stock has been down, I mean, 23% this year. That's a, that's a lot. So, um, they have made a deal with Steph Curry and you know, they're doing the Curry brand with the Under Armour logo. And so we'll see if, if Steph can, you know, make Under Armour cool again, even if he just makes it, you know, co uh, gives a little CO back in the word. Cool would uh, help Under Armour a lot. Exxon mobile is, uh, going to write down the value of its national gas properties by 20 billion dollars. And uh, that's a big time spending haircut for ExxonMobil and their natural gas properties. And Salesforce has announced or is going to announce soon a deal to buy Slack today. Uh, So another company that's just buying up uh, other companies that, uh, you know, part of the deal. That's part of business. I I don't know. Well, that's a tough thing to sell when you have these big companies and that's exactly what they're doing. I know they're squashing competition. It appears like they're squashing competition, but I don't know. I mean, Amazon bought that, uh, bought that company for prescriptions, the company that they're using for their prescriptions now two or three years ago. And it may seem that they squashed competition, but they were, now they're using it for something better for them. Right. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? I mean, you look at, let's say Walmart, right? The largest private employer, Walmart. And it's been said, oh, they're a huge company. And it's they've made other companies very, very rich. But they've also ruined a lot of companies, right? When the old man died originally, we've talked about that before, they went to China. And so because he was big, you know, made in America, and they found out that we can make a lot more money if we go to China. So once he's gone, we're doing that. And that's what they did. Then it was reported that what they've done to a lot of businesses is they come to you and say, and this is how they squash businesses and take over companies, right? So if I create a product and I want Walmart to sell my product because it's going to make me money, right? 
So, and I, so I want Walmart to sell my product and they come to me and say, yes, we want your product. You need to make, you know, a hundred thousand pieces of, of, uh, whatever you make and we'll sell it at our stores. So then they buy your product, but they don't pay you for the product until the last possible moment that the deal is due, like every three months, every two, whatever deal you made with them. Right. So now you've got to come up with all this capital to create your product and get it to Walmart until they pay you. And if you can't do that, then Walmart cancels the deal and they end up either just canceling the deal and you go broke and it's over. Or they say, you know, you can't, what, you're not making any money? Oh, we believe in your product. Tell you what, we'll buy it from you. And so then they, you know, buy you out and now it's their product. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a way of doing business. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it good, but it is a way of doing business. And it's evil capitalism is what it is. <laughs> That's exactly, you know what? That's exactly what it is. Evil capitalism. There, there, I said it. It's not really congratulations, but it is congratulations day. So we do know that uh, Ajit Pai is, uh, is it Ajit? Ajit Pai is uh, formally uh, leaving the FCC come January 20th. He announced uh, this week that he's going to leave his position as chairman of the Federal Communications Commission on January 20th. That's, you know, agency tradition, stepping down from the FCC when a new president is inaugurated. I would have uh, advised him, hey, uh, wait, let Joe Biden kick you out. But why wait for that when it's going to happen anyway, right? I mean, they hate him for his repealing of the Obama net neutrality rules. I mean, they just hate, he couldn't do anything after that for the Democrats, right? And so the Democrats will probably, you know, overturn that ruling and then, uh, you know, anything else that he put his hands on, they will certainly try. I mean, anything that anybody who worked for Trump did, if Joe Biden, I should say, if Joe Biden takes over on January 20th, it looks more and more like he's going to, uh, will be, at least they will, it will be attempted to be overturned. Except for uh, he did uh, designate the 988 number as the new National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, right? That was huge. Uh, that was a big deal. And he had the big T-Mobile Sprint merger and you know i i like the guy i like the guy so and i know oh no what about this jeff i know i know but he's he's been a a good chairman overall and anyway he's gone so don't look at me like that he's leaving okay january 20th he's leaving he already said now he may rescind that if we get news that Joe Biden isn't going to be president and Donald Trump will continue to be president. You never know. Now, if you're listening live today on the 1st of December, oh my gosh, today is December 1st, 2020. Wow. December 1st, 2020. Relax, 2020 is almost over. It's only gonna get better. <laughs> Right, right. So good, good. Yeah, it's almost over, man. Man, oh man, can't wait till 2020 is over. You know what I'm saying? I think you do. Uh, the CDC is uh, meeting today, or supposed to meet today, to decide which groups get priority access to the limited initial doses of coronavirus vaccine. Uh, Moderna has applied for emergency youth use, not youth. We we all need emergency youth authorization, but emergency use authorization from the FDA for its vaccine, which, you know, it will happen. Uh, The airlines, American Airlines and uh, United have been test flights for the COVID-19 vaccine to make sure that they are ready to ship it ice cold around the country. We want that for sure. And we found out that we have a new paint 
that kills germs, including COVID-19. It kills germs, including COVID-19, on all coated surfaces. And they're saying that it's going to be on the market in a couple of months. Kind of cool. Now, originally, I thought that uh, coronavirus didn't spread on surfaces, but apparently then we found out that it does we don't know how long it does but it does so according to this pittsburgh-based ppg and corning have partnered on the development which they say kills 99.9 percent of covid19 on surfaces now although the paint will not stop airborne transmission what i can't paint the inside of my room and not get a, a disease what Okay, so, and and it's, you know, it makes a difference that many antimicrobial, antiviral coatings uh, that are, that's in the paint. I, okay, I mean, it'd be kind of cool to have them in schools and hospitals, right? Now, on the other hand, on the other hand, one could make the argument that, you know, germs are kind of a good thing for humans. We're supposed to get some germs in our body so that our body learns to fight other germs. And that's the whole point of kids going outside and playing in the dirt and breathing the air and drinking water from a hose (gasps) so that your body gets used to some of that so that it says, ooh, we don't like that germ. We're going to kill it instead of living in a bubble. But good luck convincing people of that today's world that's for sure and in a shocking story cnn has released a story today titled the wuhan files what are you telling me that in this article that china was less than forthcoming in its reporting of data about the coronavirus? <laughs> what? I won't hear of it. That sounds like you're making it up. I don't believe it. Now, according to this, CNN has reached out to China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs and National Health Commission, as well as Hubei's Health Commission which oversees the provincial CDC, uh, for comment on the findings in their story. (laughs) And guess what? They haven't got a response back. I know, right? So weird. So, okay. Now they have an incomplete period in this story between October of 2019 and April of this year. Wow. That I won't hear of. So what we talked about, some of the conspiracy theories of people who got sick at the end of 2019 that were diagnosed with the flu, but really any of the flu, they didn't test positive for the flu. They just had all the symptoms of the flu, which now would be COVID-19. But since we didn't know about COVID-19 or coronavirus back then in October of 2019, you just had the flu. Ah, It's just a weird strain. And so you went home to get better or not. But that's, you know, sure. That's just, that's hogwash. It's conspiracy theories. Sure, we don't have the documents or there's (laughs) nothing nothing mentioned and any of that stuff from China. And they've lied about their numbers consistently. I mean, when we were in the heart of our battle, and I know we're still in the heart of it. I know we are, okay? But in the beginning when we were in the 15 days to slow the curve or flatten the curve. And then we were going into the first major lockdowns and people were kind of freaked out and we didn't have lockdown fever. And we were discussing the numbers and watching them grow every day around the world. And China consistently stayed at 82,000. We made a joke on this show about how China every day would go up three cases. 10 cases and they stayed at 82,000 forever. It was a joke on whoever reported to go over 83,000. Well, it's, it's December 1st, 2020. And we talked about it the other day. China says now they have 86,542 cases. 
No one believes that. They're 72nd in the world in total cases? No. We don't believe it. And now, and because we, because we, it was all Trump's fault and, you know, the USA, the USA has the most right now with almost 14 million. We're going to crack 14 million. Wow. We're going to crack 14 million probably today or tomorrow. And it's going to be all over. USA cracks 14 to 14 million total cases. But now that they believe their hated Donald Trump is kicked out of office, which isn't official yet, by the way, but it's, you know, looking pretty bad for the man, uh, is kicked out of office. We can actually maybe once in a while do some actual news and figure out that (laughs) what China was lying to us. No, get out of here. Stream and subscribe to more blaze media content at the blaze.com slash podcasts. And I wonder if they're going to ever let the people who were part of Operation Varsity Blues, I should play the, the my sounder for doing an Operation Varsity Blues sounder, but Felicity Huffman, okay, Felicity, Felicity, tomato, tomato, she, uh, of course, I mean, she was, she's an Emmy Award winning actress, she was working, and now, and now she's working back again, okay, she's going to co-star in a comedy pilot, uh, about, a uh, inspired by Susan Savage, the owner of a triple-A baseball team, the Sacramento Rivercats, Huffman is set to depict the woman who, after she inherits the minor league team, following her husband's death, okay, so, uh, and she's helped by her family, including her son, played by actor Zach Gottesagen and the Sacramento community. Oh, good. Okay, so, uh, you know, it'll just, it's a sitcom. It'll be, you know, it'll, we'll see if it's funny. It might not be. We'll see. It kind of reminds me of, uh, oh, what's the Susan Sarandon stupid movie with, with my main man? You know, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, what's it called? Bull Durham. I know it was, uh, you know, that's not exactly what the premise of Bull Durham was, but it's going to be similar. Mark my words. And that's where the comedy and hilarity ensues. Okay. <laughs> but my point is, is that the whole headline, the story is all about her serving prison time for the college admission scam. As part of Operation Varsity Blues. Man, why do I have not playing the sounder for you? I can't I can't do I can't do a velocity I can't do an Operation Varsity Blues story without that. I'm sorry. It just wouldn't be right to do a story on Operation Varsity Blues. tonight's episode (laughs) trying to work again so it's just all about her going to prison i mean mean, she went to prison for 11 days okay i know she was certain she was uh sentenced to 14 days but she served only 11 and she paid her thirty thousand dollar fine she performed 250 hours of community service okay let it go but we're not going to we're not going to. So, and, and, uh, you know, Laughlin is in prison now. Mausimo Hubby is in jail now, and they're in there for a while. And don't mark my words. She's only got about 18 days left. 18 days left, and she'll get out. Uh, Lori Laughlin will get out. No problem. Hubby will be there for a while longer. But just let, you know, we all think it when we see her. We'll all think it for a while. So let it go. All right. Let it go. And just let Lori and Felicity have their life back again when they get done. And Felicity's trying to get her life back again, right? She did her time and she got it over with. Good for her. And put Operation Varsity Blues behind her. And <laughs> Operation Varsity Blues. Man, I love that sounder. 
Well, we might as well stick on Hollywood. Um, I see where Crude's 2 opened this past weekend, the Thanksgiving weekend, too. Wow, huge weekend. I don't know. How many of you went to see Crude's 2? Now, according to this headline, it had the best opening weekend at the domestic box office since the pandemic first closed theaters. So the best opening weekend at the domestic box office since the pandemic first closed theaters. Crudes 2. So what does that mean? What does that mean? How good was it? $14 million. I mean, that is nobody. They're happy with $14 million, Right? I mean, a five-day holiday debut got $14.2 million. Wow. I mean, that is nothing. Nothing. Overseas, it got 20. And it got 19 in China. So globally, 35. So it's got, what, 45, 49, not even 50 million on opening Thanksgiving Day weekend globally. I mean, I guess it's something. What did, what did Crude's to, to cost? Crude's to cost. Had to cost, what, 70 million probably? 65 million. So, I mean, they're not even close to making the money. But anyway, you know, the theaters are open and they're happy. And it also bodes well for the New Deal, right? So, uh, in three weeks... It goes to, I can see it at the house. Not that I'm a big Crudes fan, but <laughs> I'm loving the idea that it's on pay-per-view, right? I can watch video on demand, no problem. And if somebody wanted to watch, uh, you know, Crudes 2, uh, you know, that'd be great. It, it costs $65 million. You got Nicolas Cage, Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds, Kathleen Cleaner, Clark Duke, Cloris Leachman. Wow. Peter Dinklage and Leslie Mann and Kelly Marie Tran are voices in this movie too. Wow. I mean, that's worth it. Wow. 65, and it only costs $65 million. So guys like Nicolas Cage are working for nothing. Just trying to put food on the table. And good for them. Good for them. But, I mean, Hollywood is, uh, I mean, they're hurting because of this pandemic. No doubt about it. They need to be creating some content. I mean, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO. Oh, speaking of HBO, oh, oh, did you watch the end of The Undoing? I was going to do some, I've got another story I want to talk to you about, about how much these actors have made at worldwide box offices. Because I started looking at Tom Cruise. Uh, last night, for some reason, we were talking about Tom Cruise came up, and I, I checked it out. He's worldwide box office, $10 billion total for all his movies. Whew, and I thought, that's pretty good, right? He's ranked, according to all of these, he's ranked 12th, 11th. Okay, so you got Robert Downey Jr., Samuel L. Jackson, Scarlett Johansson, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, uh, Zoe Saldana, Chris Pratt, Tom Hanks, Bradley Cooper, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise. All right, those are all double-digit billions worldwide box office. But really, Tom Hanks, Bradley Cooper, Tom Cruise, those three are really the three that are going to draw on their own. And really, Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise are really the only two, right? Bradley Cooper, maybe. I mean, he, you know. Okay, maybe, but and Pratt uh, is he going to draw as much as Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks? I don't know. Without the without the effects, I don't know. I don't know. Chris Pratt maybe, but Robert Downey Jr., Samuel Jackson, Scarlett Johansson. You know, the Avengers movies just made these people multi millionaires, and good for them. Good for them. But that doesn't count as a draw, right? I mean, you're not. It's tough to say, like a Scarlett Johansson on her own, right? That movie, Lucy, I liked. I thought I liked that Lucy. I watched it. I've watched it a couple of times. Um, you know, it's, it's worth a watch, but it didn't make a billion dollars, right? I don't even think it made 500 million. So, you know, is she up there in Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise land? I don't think so. And another one, Mark Ruffalo is 12th behind Tom Cruise. 
at $9 billion. If it wasn't for the Avengers movies, I mean, good for him and bless his heart and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But no one is going to see a Mark Ruffalo movie. You barely want to see him in real life anyway because he's such a douche. But $9 billion, almost, almost 10, $9,835,119,979 worldwide box office. That's not because of Mark Ruffalo. Okay. I'm sorry. It just isn't. Okay. Uh, undoing. Uh, I went, I saw the undoing the last episode aired this week on HBO. It's a six part miniseries and it is, was really good. Uh, except I didn't like the ending. I wish HBO would have called me and let me know how they were thinking about ending it because I've got a couple of different ways they could have ended this so much better. I had, I had the ending in my head of how it was going to end and who was guilty. And they ended it. It was just so, eh, so eh, and predictable. And it was just, eh, and there was, why would they do that? And it was just, okay, that's the end. We're done now. I just, I feel like I wanted more and I'm not even going to give you, I should ruin it for you and I'm not going to. Okay. Just let me know how you feel. Let me know if you've watched it, you know, email me at chewing the fat at the blaze.com and let me know what you think. Cause I think, and I won't ruin it yet. I don't know why I'm being nice. I'm, I'm mad at myself now for being nice and not ruining it for you. Um, I had like two or three different endings that would have been great. I'm going to ruin it. Uh, you know, probably the end of this week or the beginning of next week. I'll give you a week. All right. I'm going to give you this week and then I'm going to ruin it because I want to talk about the exact ending and what I would have done different. Okay. So if you've, if you're going to watch it, get to it. And if you have been watching it and you haven't watched it to the end, get to it either way, get to it. Otherwise I'm ruining it for you. 